pilgrimage volume one pointed roofs chapter two by dorothy richardson this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter two section one the crossing was over they were arriving the movement of the little steamer that had collected the passengers from the packet-boat drove the raw air against miriam's face in her tired brain the grey river and the flat misty shores slid constantly into a vision of the gaslit dining-room at home the large clear glowing fire the sounds of the family voices every effort to obliterate the picture brought back again the moment that had come at the dinner-table as they all sat silent for an instant with downcast eyes and she had suddenly longed to go on for ever just sitting there with them all now in the boat she wanted to be free for the strange grey river and the grey shores but the home scenes recurred relentlessly again and again she went through the last moments the good-byes the unexpected convulsive force of her mother's arms her own dreadful inability to give any answering embrace she could not remember saying a single word there had been a feeling that came like a tide carrying her away eager and dumb and remorseful she had gone out of the house and into the cab with sarah and then had come the long sitting in the loop-line train talk about something sarah sitting opposite and her unchanged voice saying what shall we talk about and then a long waiting and the brown leather straps swinging against the yellow-grain door the smell of dust and the dirty wooden flooring with the noise of the wheels underneath going to the swinging tune of one of heller's sleepless nights the train had made her sway with its movements how still sarah seemed to sit fixed in the old life nothing had come but strange cruel emotions after the suburban train nothing was distinct until the warm snowflakes were drifting against her face through the cold darkness on harwich quay then after what seemed like a great loop of time spent going helplessly up a gangway towards the world she had stood face to face with the pale polite stewardess in her cabin i had better have a lemon cut in two she had said feeling suddenly stifled with fear for hours she had lain despairing watching the slowly swaying walls of her cabin or sinking with closed eyes through invertebrate dipping spaces before each releasing paroxysm she told herself this is like death one day i shall die it will be like this she supposed there would be breakfast soon on shore a firm room and a teapot and cups and saucers cold and exhaustion would come to an end she would be talking to her father section two he was standing near her with the dutchman who had helped her off the boat and looked after her luggage the dutchman was listening deferentially miriam saw the strong dark blue beam of his eyes very good very good she heard him say fine education in german schools both men were smoking cigars she wanted to draw herself upright and shake out her clothes select she heard excellent staff of masters daughters of gentlemen pater is trying to make the dutchman think i am being taken as a pupil to a finishing school in germany she thought of her lonely pilgrimage to the west end agency of her humiliating interview of her heart-sinking acceptance of the post the excitements and misgivings she had had of her sudden challenge of them all that evening after dinner and their dismay and remonstrance and reproaches 
of her fear and determination in insisting and carrying her point and making them begin to be interested in her plan but she shared her father's satisfaction in impressing the dutchman she knew that she was at one with him in that she glanced at him there could be no doubt that he was playing the role of the english gentleman poor dear it was what he had always wanted to be he had sacrificed everything to the idea of being a person of leisure and cultivation well after all it was true in a way he was and he had she knew always wanted her to be the same and she was going to finish her education abroad in germany they were nearing a little low quay backed by a tremendous saffron-coloured hoarding announcing in black letters sunlight zeep section three did you see pater did you see they were walking rapidly along the quay did you see sunlight zeep she listened to his slightly scuffling stride at her side glancing up she saw his face excited and important he was not listening he was being an english gentleman emerging from the dutch railway station sunlight zeep she shouted zeep pater he glanced down at her and smiled condescendingly ah yes he admitted with a laugh there were dutch faces for miriam men women and children coming towards her with sturdy gait they're talking dutch they're all talking dutch the foreign voices the echoes in the little narrow street the flat waterside effect of the sounds the bright clearness she had read of brought tears to her eyes the others must come here she told herself pitying them all they had an english breakfast at the victoria hotel and went out and hurried about the little streets they bought cigars and rode through the town on a little tramway presently they were in a train watching the dutch landscape go by one level stretch succeeded another miriam wanted to go out alone under the grey sky and walk over the flat fields shut in by poplars she looked at the dykes and the windmills with indifferent eyes but her desire for the flat meadows grew late at night seated wide awake opposite her sleeping companion rushing towards the german city she began to think section four it was a fool's errand to undertake to go to the german school and teach to be going there with nothing to give the moment would come when there would be a class sitting round a table waiting for her to speak she imagined one of the rooms at the old school full of scornful girls how was english taught how did you begin english grammar in german her heart beat in her throat she had never thought of that the rules of english grammar parsing and analysis anglo-saxon prefixes and suffixes gerundial infinitive it was too late to look anything up perhaps there would be a class tomorrow. the german lessons at school had been dreadfully good fraulein's grave face her perfect knowledge of every rule her clear explanations in english her examples all these things were there in english grammar and she had undertaken to teach them and could not even speak german monsieur had talked french all the time dictes lectures le conscrit waterloo la maison déserte his careful voice reading on and on until the room disappeared she must do that for her german girls read english to them and make them happy but first there must be verbs there had been cahiers of them first second third conjugation it was impudence an impudent invasion the dreadful clever foreign school they would laugh at her 
she began to repeat the english alphabet she doubted whether faced with a class she could reach the end without a mistake she reached z and went on to the parts of speech section five there would be a moment when she must have an explanation with the frulein perhaps she could tell her that she found the teaching was beyond her scope and then find a place somewhere as a servant she remembered things she had heard about german servants that whenever they even dusted a room they cleaned the windows and on sundays they waited at lunch in muslin dresses and afterwards went to balls she feared even the german servants would despise her they had never been allowed into the kitchen at home except when there was jam making she had never made a bed in her life a shop but that would mean knowing german and being quick at giving change impossible perhaps she could find some english people in hanover who would help her there was an english colony she knew and an english church but that would be like going back that must not happen she would rather stay abroad on any terms away from england english people she had scented something a sort of confidence everywhere in her hours in holland the brisk manner of the german railway officials and the serene assurance of the travelling germans she had seen confirmed her impression away out here the sense of imminent catastrophe that had shadowed all her life so far had disappeared even here in this dim carriage with disgrace ahead she felt that there was freedom somewhere at hand whatever happened she would hold to that section six she glanced up at her small leather handbag lying in the rack and thought of the solid money in her purse twenty-five shillings it was a large sum and she was to have more as she needed she glanced across at the pale face with its point of reddish beard the long white hands laid one upon the other on the crossed knees he had given her twenty-five shillings and there was her fare and his and his return fare and her new trunk and all the things she had needed it must be the end of taking money from him she was grown up she was the strong-minded one she must manage with a false position ahead and after a short space disaster she must get along the peaceful dutch fields came to her mind they looked so secure they had passed by too soon we have always been in a false position she pondered always lying and pretending and keeping up a show never daring to tell anybody did she want to tell anybody to come out into the open and be helped and have things arranged for her and do things like other people no no miriam always likes to be different society is no boon to those not sociable dreadful things and the girls laughing together about them what did they really mean society is no boon to those not sociable on her birthday page in ellen sharp's birthday book ellen handed it to her going upstairs and had chanted the words out to the others and smiled her smile she had not asked her to write her name was it unsociable to dislike so many of the girls ellen's people were in the indian her thoughts hesitated sivla something grand all the grand girls were horrid somehow mean and sly sivla sivla civil of course civil what miriam groaned she was a governess now someone would ask her that question she would ask pater before he went no she would not if only he would answer a question simply and not with a superior air as if he had invented the thing he was telling about she felt she had a right to all the knowledge there was without fuss oh without fuss without fuss and emotion i am unsociable i suppose she mused 
she could not think of any one who did not offend her i don't like men and i loathe women i am a misanthrope so's pater he despises women and can't get on with men we are different it's us him and me he's failed us because he's different and if he weren't we should be like other people everything in the railway responded and agreed like other people horrible she thought of the fathers of girls she knew the pool girls for instance they were to be independent trained and certificated she envied that but her envy vanished when she remembered how heartily she had agreed when sarah called them sharp and knowing mr pool was a business man common trade if pater had kept to grandpa's business they would be trade too well off now all married perhaps as it was he had thought they would marry section seven she thought sleepily of her wesleyan grandparents gravely reading the wesleyan methodist recorder the shop at babington her father's discontent his solitary fishing and reading his discovery of music science classical music in the first novello editions faraday speaking to faraday after lectures marriage the new house the red brick wall at the end of the garden where young peach trees were planted running up and down stairs and singing both of them singing in the rooms in the garden she sometimes with her hair down and then when visitors were expected pinned in coils under a little cap and wearing a small hoop the garden and lawns and shrubbery and the long kitchen garden and the summer-house under the oaks beyond and the pretty old gabled town on the river and the woods all along the river valley and the hills shining up out of the mist the snowman they both made in the winter the birth of sarah and then eve his studies in book-buying and after five years her own disappointing birth as the third girl and the coming of harriet just over a year later her mother's illness money troubles their two years at the sea to retrieve the disappearance of the sunlit red-walled garden always in full summer sunshine with the sound of bees in it or dark from windows the narrowing of the house life down to the marine villa with the sea creeping in wading out through the green shallows out and out till you were more than waist-deep shrimping and prawning hour after hour for weeks together poking in the rock pools watching the sun and the colours in the strange afternoons then the sudden large house at barnes with the drive winding to the door he used to come home from the city and the constitutional club and sometimes instead of reading the times or the globe or the proceedings of the british association or herbert spencer play pope joan or jacoby with them all or table billiards and laugh and be silly and take his turn at being bumped by timmy going the round of the long dining-room table tail in the air he had taken sarah and eve to see don giovanni and winter's tale and the new piece lohengrin no one at the tennis club had seen that he had good taste no one else had been to madame schumann's farewell sitting at the piano with her curtains of hair and her dreamy smile in the philharmonic concerts no one else knew about the lectures at the royal institution beginning at nine on fridays no one else's father went with a party of scientific men for the advancement of science to norway or america seeing the falls in the yosemite valley no one else took his children as far as dolly travelling all day from eight until seven no esplanade the old stone jetty and coves and cowrie shells end of chapter two recording by expatria in bangor maine